you have your Bibles, you want to read along with me this morning, turn to the book of Jeremiah chapter 33. Uh, Jeremiah 33. While you're doing that, uh, I just got to tell you this little story because we were talking about it in Sunday school, uh, whatever the governor of, uh, what did you say, North Carolina or something? And, yeah, you know, uh, it's only, you know, man and woman, that's it, that's what the Bible tells us. Uh, this has been several years ago, uh, Anna and Tyler were at our house right around Christmas time. Uh, Tyler was probably three at that time. Anna was maybe, what, uh, seven, maybe, about seven years old. And we had gotten Anna uh, a Barbie doll with a camper and all this stuff, and she's in the floor playing with it. And, and I'm, I'm watching Tyler, and he's just staring at her, and he's watching everything she's doing. And all at once, Tyler said, I wish I'd have had a doll like that when I was a little girl. <laughs> and Anna, t- Anna turns around and looks at him and says, Tyler. You're a boy, you've always been a boy, and you'll always be a boy. <laughs> I thought, well, some children are smarter than a lot of adults I know. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 33, I'm going to start reading at verse 14, uh, 40, no, 14, I'm sorry. Jeremiah chapter 33, starting at verse 14. And the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior, the Word of God for the people of God. It is beginning to look a lot like Christmas, isn't it? Somebody said earlier, 13 days, I think, 13 days before Christmas. Um, can be a very busy time of year. Uh, a lot of us were here Friday night, right? Was that Friday? Yeah, it was Friday night, right? Uh, Nancy and I went, my family, we had to get together yesterday. We were there with them for uh, several hours. and So a lot of church activities, family gatherings, some last-minute Christmas shopping, I'm sure, uh, for everybody. And we are always reminded, Leon reminded us this Sunday and last Sunday, there's a lot of people that uh, they don't, they don't love, they're not looking forward to Christmas. Uh, it's like that every year. I'm sure a lot of the people in uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, are heartbroken this morning. They have, have no home, have no place to live. So, uh, you know, we, we can understand how the holidays can, can uh, be hard on some people. When my father passed away back in 2001, he died on uh, December the 19th. His favorite time of year was Christmas Eve. That was his favorite time of year. Uh, after Christmas Eve, it was over for him. He, he was done. Uh, but we had his funeral on, I think it was December the 21st. What was it? 21st. Uh, and so Christmas was kind of a somber time for us uh, then. So pe- we know people, we go through it. People go through that. There's, some people are heartbroken during the holidays um, for many different reasons. Uh, but there was a German uh, theologian back, back many years ago. His name was uh, Frederick Schumacher. And he said, uh, people, now people can be depressed at Christmas time for many different reasons. But he said this. He said that people should study this, all right, with the newspaper in one hand and this in the other. In other words, what he's saying, you keep up with current events. You know what's happening in the world today, but you relate it to Scripture. You relate it to Scripture. And a lot of people don't do that, right? A lot of people 
They're, 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 they, I mean, man, you, you can get news 24 hours a day, seven days a week now, right? And that's all they hear. And they don't, they never read the Word of God. They just, they never read it. So they don't have a lot to be happy about. Uh, people are depressed because the people on TV tell you you should be depressed, <laughs> right? You should be sad. I mean, what do you have to be happy about? You look at how the in, inflation rate is going, it's gone up. I read the other day, 6.2%. The inflation rate has gone up. Uh, this is the biggest surge of inflation in the last 39 years. What do you have to be happy about? Well, what did Jesus say? Well, Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And you know what? You are much more valuable than they are. Yeah, but Richard, have you been watching the news? You see that Russia is about ready to invade Ukraine. The Middle East is a powder keg. There's always something, some kind of conflict going on there. We're told of wars and rumors of wars and all these military actions that take place. That's something to be concerned about. But what did Jesus say? Well, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 6, you will hear of wars and rumors of war. Listen, but see that you are not alarmed. Amen? Praise God. See that you are not alarmed because such things will happen, but still the end is yet to come. Listen, I'll take the Word of God over the talking heads on TV any day of the week. Amen? Any day of the week. I mean, that, there's just not a lot of people around today like my Papa Hallie. Now, he wasn't really my grandfather. My, my grandfather died uh, years ago, but my grandmother remarried. So we always called him Papa. We called him Papa O'Halley. I mean, I don't care what was going on in the world. I don't care what was going on in the family or in his life. He never changed. He was always the most pleasant, the most joyful person. Don't you like to be around people like that? I mean, I do. I, Nancy and I, we were, we were somewhere the other day, been a couple weeks ago now, and we ran into a person that we hadn't seen for quite some time, and, and we said that made a mistake by saying, How you doing? <laughs> Well, she spent the next several minutes telling us every little agonizing thing that she had been going through. So after we finally ended the conversation, started walking off, I was whispered in Nancy's ear. I said, make a mental note. The next time we run into them, don't ask them how they're doing, okay? I mean, but a lot of people aren't like my Papa Hallie. He never grew up. And, and what I mean by that is, uh, you're talking about growing up, your childhood. Remember your childhood? I didn't, I didn't have a care in the world. Mom and Dad, Dad, they took care of everything, right? If I was hungry, they made sure there was food. If I needed clothes, it was there. I never had anything to worry about. And young people don't have much to worry about. But as we get older and that responsibility falls on us, then we forget that our Heavenly Father is watching over us and taking care of us and, and preparing everything. But Hallie, Hallie, Papa Hallie never lost that childlike faith in God Almighty. But we do. We take our eyes off Jesus, about like Peter did when he was walking on the water that time and he began to sink. We take our eyes off Jesus, and when we begin to look at all the difficulty that's in the world and all the inflation and all the hatred in the world, we take our eyes off Jesus, and Pam, yeah, even though the joy is there, we can lose it, right? We can lose that joy and we can lose that hope. A fellow, an author by the name of Louis Sinclair, he ended one of his novels 
he quoted a famous businessman that he was quoting to his wife. This is what he said. He said, deep down inside, we're all the same. He said, we're desperately unhappy about something, and we don't really know what it is. <laughs> we don't really know what it is. We look around at other people, and man, I can see all these other people that have more talent than I do. And I could get depressed at that. I see all these other people that have more spiritual gifts than I do. Uh, you remember when you were young? You were in high school and you had all these dreams, these hope and dreams. And then here we are, uh, some of us in our 60s. Like, Man, this really isn't what I had in mind, you know. Uh, I know some of you are thinking right now, Richard, I was feeling pretty good when I got here, but you kind of depressed me a little bit. <laughs> but hang in here with me for a minute, Okay. Hang in here with me for a minute because I, we all go through times like that. I know we do. And, and maybe that's not you this morning. Maybe you come here, you're just full of joy, and you're full of peace and happiness and contentment, and you're, you're just happy. But some of us go through times like that. And when we do, we need to remember the prophet Jeremiah. Because if the prophet Jeremiah was here today, I think he would say something to us, brothers and sisters, I know where you're coming from because I've been there. Because, you see, in his darkest hour... In his darkest hour, Jeremiah even cursed the day that he was born, didn't he? Yeah. He cursed the very day he was born. Just, just think how you would feel. Put yourself in Jeremiah's shoes for a moment, okay? If you had, if you had spent your, your almost your entire life, as Jeremiah did, telling the Hebrew people, listen, God has told me that you need to shape up. That we need to get back to his word or else disaster is going to come upon us. Jeremiah knew that God had given him a word. Jeremiah knew that God had given him a message for his people, but no one was listening to him. Yesterday we were getting ready to leave my cousin's house and Nancy said, we need to go home. Richard needs to look over his sermon for tomorrow. And somebody said, I just preached the one you preached last Sunday. Probably nobody was listening anyway. <laughs> but you remember, don't you? I know you do. I may, I may ask you on the way out here in just a minute. But, but no one was listening to Jeremiah. I mean, he was pouring his heart out to these people, and no one was listening to him. He knew they were headed for disaster. He knew it was coming, and he felt hopeless because nobody was paying attention to him. And here sets Jeremiah. At, at this time, he, he's sitting there. I mean, one man can only do so much, Right? And, and he's sitting there, uh, Babylonians had come in, they had demolished Jerusalem, they had demolished it, they had, they had destroyed the temple, they had taken the best of everything the people had, including some of the people, and here sets Jeremiah in captivity in, in, in Jerusalem, probably in solitary confinement at that time, and, and he, his back is to the wall, and he has nowhere to look but up. You ever been in a hopeless situation? I'll tell you a bit. Right now it's kind of funny, but it wasn't at the time. We were going to, uh, to Morgantown one Saturday. We were going to uh, West Virginia Pitt game. This has been back in the 1980s. It's been a long time ago. This was back before cell phones, all right? And, and, and we were broke down. We were about 22 miles outside of Charleston going to Morgantown. We were broke down. Nobody would stop and help us. Why? Everybody's going to the Pitt game. They're not going to stop and help us. The West Virginia State Police wouldn't even stop and help us. I mean, we were there forever before we finally somebody stopped and, and gave us a hand and we got back on the road. Now, I know that that's, you know, that's kind of a comical, uh, mild case of hopelessness. But, you know, a lot of people live their lives every day and they feel like they have no peace, they have no hope, they have no joy. 
worse than being broke down on the interstate because, church, I remember those days myself, and I'm sure some of you do too, right? Back before you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, right, Donnie? Yeah, we remember those days. I, I, I remember those days when, when the devil was gradually taking me down a road of deception. <laughs> One day at a time, he was taking me down a road of deception. But once we realized we needed help, things changed. Once we realized there was only one person who could give us help, and that was Jesus Christ, everything changed in our lives. You know, when, uh, when I was just a kid, when place I grew up, especially in the summertime, um, we, uh, the kid, we, would, we would play hide-and-go-seek in, in the community. We had a lot of kids there when I, when I grew up in that little area. And there was a grocery store there, and when the grocery store would close, there was always a lot of places to hide. So we'd play hide-and-go-seek. And if you, if you were fortunate enough and you could find that real good hiding spot, I mean, you could stay there forever and they'd never find you, right? And when they got frustrated and couldn't find you, you remember what they would say? All outs in free, right? They get tired of looking for you. All outs in free. So that meant you got to come in to home, home place and you got to continue. You were, you, the game was over and, and you were the winner. Or when you and I were at our lowest point in our lives, the lowest point in, in my life, I'll just use myself as an example. When I was at the lowest point in my life and there was no one left to turn to but Jesus Christ. And I, I could take you to the very place where I was at one night working the midnight ship at Robin Hood when I was in the mines back, back many, many years ago. And I cried out to God and I said, Lord, everything I've touched, I've destroyed. If there's anything here that you see you can use right now, it's yours. Right now I give it to you. I turned to Jesus Christ, and he said, come home. <laughs> all is forgiven. All is forgotten. Never hold it against you again. It's all gone. Come home. Come on home. You can stop hiding. You can stop running. The game is over. All because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary as he hung there and shed his lifeblood for us. Now, at the most hopeless time in Jeremiah's life, He's in captivity. He's sitting there in the ruins of Jerusalem. God speaks a word of hope to a hopeless situation. Listen to what he says. Verses, I'm going to read it to you again. Verses 15 and 16. God speaks to Jeremiah and says, In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. And in those days... Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which you will be called, the Lord our righteousness. In other words, in other words, God is saying, he's telling Jeremiah, the Messiah is coming. The fountain of living water, he's coming. Emmanuel, God with us, is coming. The good shepherd, the righteous branch, the one that will take you from darkness to light is coming. The one who loved you before you took your first breath is coming. The one who's in the line of David, he's coming, he said. It was, it was promised, God promised it to the prophets of old, and God had not forgotten his promise. The day of salvation, he says to Jeremiah, is coming. Just what Jeremiah needed to hear. Just what him and the people of Jerusalem needed to hear. And I want you to take note of something here. 
I want you to see that not a word is said about the people keeping up their end of the bargain. Why is that? Because there is no bargain. There's only grace. There is only grace. The coming of the Messiah, the coming of the kingdom of God doesn't depend upon my goodness or your goodness. It's only through the love and the mercy of Almighty God. It's through Him and Him alone. Everyone, everyone that's out can come in free. The game is over. For God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever, that takes in everybody, that takes in everyone on this planet, whosoever, the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the kingdom of God, was just God's plan from the get-go. You and I had nothing to do with it. Everyone that's out can come in free, all because of God's amazing grace. Have you ever been real thirsty? I mean real thirsty. You know, we were uh, Friday, Friday in the, at the party, the Christmas party, uh, Frank and uh, Roger and Kenny and myself, we were kind of mining a little coal, wasn't we? You probably saw the coal dust in the fellowship. Anytime you get a group of coal miners together, they're going to mine a little bit of coal, okay? And I got to thinking after we were talking, I remember running that old bolt machine back years ago, and you get up in a place, and maybe you didn't have your curtain up the way it was supposed to be, and you didn't have fresh air like it was supposed to be, and man, them bolt machines can really put out the heat. I mean, they put out a lot of heat. You get up into a place, you really get hot. You start to sweat and you really get thirsty. So you've been thirsty, right? Yeah, we, we've all been there. I read a story the other day about a ship that was stuck right off the coast of South Africa. It, it, it ran aground and, and it was stuck and it couldn't move. The wind wasn't blowing and they were, just, they were just in this helpless, hopeless situation. And they were there for quite some time. In fact, they were there so long, some of the, some of the men on the ship we're beginning to die of thirst. Well, a few days later, there was another ship come by, and they, they saw them, and, and they heard the sailors screaming and, and crying out for, for help. So they come over just as close as they could without getting stuck themselves, and they could hear the sailors on, on the ship. They were saying, we're, we're thirsty. We're dying of thirst. We need some water. And they yelled back at them. They said, lower your buckets down into the water. And they lowered their buckets down into the water, and brought it back up, and lo and behold, it was fresh water. Yes, they were out to sea, but they were surrounded, you see, they were surrounded by the fresh water that was coming from the Amazon River. All of that time, all of that time, people dying of thirst, all of that time they were surrounded by fresh water. All they had to do was lower their buckets and take a drink. Church, you and I, we only need to realize where we are. We need to, we need to recognize where we are today. Are, are you spiritually thirsty? As Pam said a little while, there, there are times we don't feel like we have joy, right? There are some times we don't feel like we have the peace of God. There are some times when we feel like we're in a hopeless situation. But don't you realize where you are? Don't you realize, Lord, listen, we're surrounded by it. Listen, I mean, I mean, people say, well, you know, I just haven't felt the Spirit of God, you know, the Christmas season here. I just wish how soon it was all over with. Don't you know where you are? Don't, don't you realize you're surrounded by God's grace? Excuse my improper use of the English language, but listen, you and I are surrounded. We're right smack dab in the middle 
of God's grace and hope and peace. It's all around us. All we have to do is let down our buckets and drink it in. Stop listening to what people have to say. Get your eyes off of someone else. See, you and I, we have freedom. We have the freedom to try and to fail. I had a district superintendent, Chuck Pullins was his name, and, and, and we had, I, was on, I, had, I was blessed to be a part of his lead team. And he would tell us, he would say, you know, we need to grow our churches. So what we need to do, we need to, we need to uh, uh, fail often in order to succeed sooner. Right? In other words, what he was saying, try it. If it works, good. If it doesn't, stop it and try something else. Don't be afraid to fail. You and I have the freedom to fail. We have the freedom to make mistakes. Amen? All of us are going to make mistakes. And we have the freedom, praise God, to rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ. At the end of it all, after all is said and done, there's nothing but grace. And I'm here to tell you, if you add anything to grace, it's no longer grace. If you add anything to it, it's no longer grace. You and I are living today in the day that Jeremiah was talking about. We are blessed to be living in that day and time. You may have come here this morning, you feel like you have no hope, you have no peace, you have no joy, you feel like no one cares, maybe you feel like your back is against the wall. You could care less anything about Christmas or New Year's. You just hope how soon it's all over with. You know what the problem is? You're dying of thirst. You're dying of thirst. The reason so many people are depressed this time of year is because they don't understand we're surrounded by it. God's grace is all around us. Christmas can mean so many different things to so many different people. I know for retailers, it means people coming in and spending money. It means a, a healthy bottom line at the, at the end of the year. But for you and I, church, Christmas means the promise has come. Jesus Christ has come. The Lord, our righteousness that Jeremiah speaks of, we're surrounded by it. You can drink it in. Well, you can go home thirsty. I choose to drink it in. Amen? Amen? I choose to drink it in. I had enough of the sad, depressing life back when I was a sinner. I had enough of that. I don't want that anymore. I want the grace of God, the joy of God. One more story, and I'm going to quit. One more story. There was a man, he went into an ice cream shop. And he goes in, and he's, he's looking at the girl behind the counter, and he's looking on the wall at all the different flavors of ice cream they have. He said, I'll take two scoops of chocolate. And she said, uh, sir, I'm really sorry. But, but the, the delivery truck broke down this morning, and, and we, we, we have no chocolate. Okay, all right, I understand, he said. And he said, there, and he looked, he said, in that case, I'll have two scoops of chocolate. And she said, sir, I, I told you we have, we have no chocolate. The truck broke down and we just, we, oh, okay, all right. Well, just give me two scoops of chocolate. <laughs> well, by this time, she's getting aggravated. And she looks at the man and she says, sir, can you spell van as in vanilla? And he says, sure I can, V-A-N. She said, okay, can you spell straw as in strawberry? He said, yes, S-T-R-A-W. She said, okay, can you spell stink as in chocolate? And he stood there for a minute. He said, 
Well, there is no stinking chocolate. She said, that's what I've been trying to tell you. We have no stinking chocolate. <laughs> Church, can you spell peace with me this morning? Spell it with me. P-E-A-C-E. -E. Can you spell hope with me this morning? Spell it. H-O-P-E. Can you spell joy with me this morning? J-O-Y. You're surrounded by it. You're surrounded by peace, by hope, by joy. The promised one has come. He's given it to us. All we have to do is drink it in. I know Russia is about to invade Ukraine. I know COVID and all its variances are running rampant in our country. I know there's shortages on everything you can think of, and the things you can find are priced out of sight. But church, the promised one has come. He's here, and he's promised never to leave us, never to forsake us. The promised one has come. I want you guys come. Come to the piano until you get to our, because I want everyone here this morning, I want you to get your hymnal. I want you to get your hymnal, and I want you to turn to page 271, okay? Turn to page 271. And what I want you to do, I want you to let down your buckets, Okay? And I want you to drink. I want you to let down your buckets, and I want you to drink, and I want you to sing with joy this morning, okay? Sing with joy as we sing this, this, hymn, this hymn. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. God of glory, God of light. Let's stand and sing. Let's sing it this morning. Nancy, go ahead. cannot encourage you enough to make that decision. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord God, for your presence in this place. Lord, you are the reason we sing. You are the reason we have hearts filled with joy this morning. You are the reason we all have peace of mind and there is hope, even in the midst of hopelessness, because of you. We love you. We praise you. We thank you, Lord God, for your plan of salvation. Lord, if there is one person here this morning that has never accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, Father, speak to their hearts. Speak to their hearts this day. Now, Lord God, your church stands before you once again on this Sunday morning. And in just a few moments, they'll be flowing through the doors of this church, back out into the community like 
rivers of living water be with us this week use us to glorify you use us to be your spokesperson for we ask it all in the name of jesus christ our lord amen